Welcome back to Stories from the Ashes, where we pontificate on good books and the stories that define and refine us. I'm Amber, and I am here with Amanda, per usual, and we are glad to spend some time with you all. Yes, we are. Last podcast before Thanksgiving. It is. Last podcast before our break. I think we're going to probably use this one to wrap up the official season. We might have a couple shorties just to highlight a few books and products that we think you might like to use over the holidays. But this is our our last official episode of the year. And I think our theme for this one is self-care in heavy seasons. So... I think that everyone at this point knows that the last decade has been a heavy season (laughs) for me. (laughs) And I think it's just in the last couple years, like since 2020, that I've really put any thought into what self-care looks like beyond survival. Mm -hmm. And I put a post in our cafe group this week, um, a private group of a few friends that we have, and we were asking like, what do you do for self-care when things are really like, what's something that you do that maybe not everybody else would think of doing that isn't just like a common form of self-care that you do when you are just really underwater. And it was very interesting because I think that from the answers, it kind of showed there's like three different levels that people are coming from when talking about self-care, like there's just the basic life is normal, going through day-to-day life. I eat, I sleep, I bathe, I spend time with my husband and kids. If I have them, I do do the things that I do and mm-hmm. make a little time for me. And then there's like the things are slightly more hectic. I have a new baby. I have you know had a long illness or we've had one event go wrong. And so now I'm spending more time in the bathroom (laughs) because it's somewhere I can shut a door between me and the rest of the world, you know, and take 10 minutes when I've never done that. Yeah, no, never. (laughs) I can take 10 minutes when I really only needed two. And um, so I think there's like that level. And then there's, there's the, (laughs) the level where people are just like, the world is on fire. And really, the most important thing to do is to survive another day. And mm-hmm. so I think that I think that was just really interesting seeing people's answers for those different different levels. And I think that's something that we've talked about a lot this year but we haven't really put the put a name to it is bibliotherapy, which is mm-hmm. something that we've been talking about by that name ourselves in recent months, but I saw this term And I found it so intriguing. And Wikipedia describes it as bibliotherapy is a creative arts therapy that involves storytelling or the reading of specific texts. It uses an individual's relationship to the content of books and poetry and other written words as therapy. And I just Mm -hmm. think that's what we've been naturally doing, right? Like, that's what our community does so much of. I think like Anne of Green Gables, I think you see her doing that. Yes. She doesn't have a lot of other outlets, and so she engages with books on levels that she hasn't been able to engage with people on, Mm -hmm. and it's her own form of self-therapy. Yeah, I think you definitely see, like, doors open for her, like, in her mind, Mm -hmm. and 
things of that nature when she when she discovers discovers the dime novel even and just those those stories and i think we see that also in i'm going to botch the title so you say it the book that i just lent to you that you finished that set in oh, Mich- starts in Michigan. The star that always shines. Yes, the star. The star that always always stays. stays. Yes, I can never remember if it's yeah. the star that always shines or always stays. So the star that always stays. It's the mm-hmm. same thing. So that one is, um, I would say historical fiction set yeah. on true events. So the author yeah. wrote it based on her um, ancestors' stories, and so in that way, a lot of it's true. Like she includes photographs mm-hmm. of her grandmother or great-grandmother and and characters of that nature but it's set at the turn of the century and you see a young girl go from a situation where higher education for females is kind of frowned upon to mm-hmm. a home that has a home library and she's able to go to high school and just seeing all the you know what I want to talk about that book for a minute I've so one of the things that really hit me about that book was one, like Anne, her worlds are opened by mm-hmm. seeing all of these possibilities and the way things have worked for other people. But two, and I really want to talk to the author about this because I don't think it was intentional, but I feel that this is one of the best, the best representations of a neurodiverse character that I've ever read. Except I don't think she was neurodiverse when she was being written. But the way she reads these books and then writes a script for her life as to what path she's going to take, like XYZ decisions will lead me to being this person. And it doesn't. <laughs> it does not work out for her the way that she has planned. Like there's other Are you things. sure that's neurodiverse? Yes. Like it's if you read it through the lens of masking and like even when she has the party at her house and her stepbrother is looking at her like you just became an entirely different person. And then she's telling him, like, I just did that because I wanted them to like me. Like, so there's an element of that that everybody does, but she takes it to the extreme. She constantly is taking it to the extreme to the level of, like, there are not many conversations in life that I would walk into and not already have scripted what I would possibly say if ever hit a conversation such as that. Like, all of my life is scripted ahead of time because. I don't do well in situations I'm not familiar with. And I feel like I saw so much of that in that character. And it it felt like I was looking at myself as a teenager trying to plan out my life. But I mean, I don't know if <laughs> I don't know if I ever told you this, but like when I decided that I liked Eric and thought he might possibly like me too, I prayed about it. I asked all the women that were in mentorship positions over me. And I decided whether I would marry him or not before he ever even asked me to go on a date. And then I'd put it Isn't like that a little premature. No, I just knew whether <laughs> I would or not. Like I wanted to know, is this even something that's viable for me? So I researched it because I'm a researcher and I figured it out and I said, yes. Like, so he could have just as easily said, will you marry me as will you court me? And I would have said the same thing. I would have said yes. And <laughs> I just like to have things planned out, like all these possible 
things that could possibly happen. And so when things happen that I'm not expecting, it really just rips the carpet out from under me. And you've seen what's happened to me in my life when things highly unexpected have happened. And it just sends me spinning mentally. Like I can't, I don't have firm ground underneath Wrap your head around it. Yeah, I can't wrap my head around it at all because it is so not something that I was prepared to meet. And that's part of why I've read so many stories is because it gives me all these different like these are possible things that could happen in life. And it's like, okay, let me think about that. Let me decide what I would do in those situations. And so when you've mm-hmm. lived a thousand lives through books, you are prepared for a thousand possible scenarios to happen in your life. And then you can be fairly confident as a neurodivergent who is not fairly confident at social situations and exchanges when you have like seen the blueprint. So I feel that that's what she was doing in that book. And so mm-hmm. again, I want to talk to the author because I I don't think the character is neurodivergent, but I don't know I think either. I mean, she, there's, I think it's pretty common to do some scripting for most people yes. who are not like great with uh, yes. extroversion yes. and stuff. But, but I definitely felt like I was walking in this character's shoes in a way I haven't with other characters mm-hmm. in like, oh, she is the embodiment of my experience. So I really, mm-hmm. really enjoyed that book. And I forget what we were talking about when we started talking about that. Oh, bibliotherapy and like Anne of Green Gables mm-hmm. and Norvia in The Star That Always Stays and how it's just very interesting to like watch other people's ways that they care for themselves and their minds and doing things. And then if you read Jane Austen, right, why can we not go back to just being sent to the sea as women <laughs> when life yeah, gets really like hard? I just want to go to the sea. And I was reading the Messner biography on Clara Barton, which is mm-hmm. excellent. Like if you can get your hands on that book, it's harder and harder to find. But if you can find a copy of that book, everyone, I highly recommend finding it and reading it. So the Messner on Clara Barton, she talks about how like after the Civil War and after her project after the Civil War of naming all the men who had died, um, because unfortunately, there was a lot of turmoil in the North and the South where people were being accused of their loved one having died as someone who had abandoned their army and gone AWOL. Mm-hmm. Really, these people had died in camps. And so she had this special project that like brought honor back to all these families of naming the people who were just in pits of mass mm-hmm. graves and uh, the newspaper like helped release like an entire booklet, thousands of names, so thousands of families. But this was a huge undertaking and grief-filled project yeah. that she took on. And after uh-huh. it, she lost her voice. And so she was sent to an asylum in Europe to just like rest. And then it talked about how Florence Nightingale had the same exact experience because they were contemporaries and they actually went to the same asylum, but they were just there at different times. So they never met in their lives, even Mm -hmm. though they were doing the same type of work. And then it happened again. Like she got involved in the next war in Europe and provided a bunch of care throughout the war as a nurse and then burnt out and went back to this asylum and rested and recharged and recovered. And I just, I would give anything for that, Amanda. (laughs) I think I would too. Like so much. 
Yeah, there's not enough rest yeah. at all in our lives. Yeah, I think especially when you're dealing with like mental and emotional things that just take time. They just take mm-hmm. time and rest to work themselves out. But when you don't have the time, mm-hmm. then it drags it out so much longer yep. and it can make it so much worse because now you have compounding griefs. Now you have this yeah. cobweb of emotions and experiences that you are trying to untangle. You're trying to figure out where's the chicken and where's the egg <laughs> in this situation mm-hmm. as you're going back. And so I don't know. I just I wish for the Jane Austen go to the sea. But there's there's so much research about how beneficial it is to read when you are in situations um, that are really challenging. There's been studies that have been done that have shown that readers, those who regularly read, are kinder than other people. And then mm-hmm. also shown that reading strengthens your brain. And I saw this recently. There's a study which was conducted by the University of Liverpool that discovered that reading classic stories could send, quote, rocket boosters to the brain to help those suffering from depression, anxiety, chronic pain, and dementia, too. It doesn't mean to send rocket boosters to the brain. I'm guessing good hormones. I don't know. I will link okay. to the article to the – well, I'll link to the study in the show notes mm-hmm. for anyone that wants to read more of that. But I can think of, like – rocket boosters and things that have felt like rocket boosters like felt like a nice peaceful experience rocket from reading boosters and peaceful experiences go hand in hand in your mind they do i think that rocket boosters can just like blow out the cobwebs sometimes and then you get then you get quiet right like it shoots off makes a big mess and then it's just pff, you're left in the peace and calm afterwards i don't, i don't think i'm following this metaphor i was listening to one of those songs on headphones last night that um what is it they're like they're the special music where it like goes on both sides at the same time and like alternates and so it's basically doing a similar thing to your brain that you would experience mm-hmm. in like EMDR therapy. It's not EMDR therapy. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that like it's the same effect in your brain. And they are especially finding that neurodivergent people experience this music differently than neurotypical mm-hmm. people. But it really just feels like it is like sweeping cobwebs out of your brain. It's the weirdest experience, like you're just sitting there listening and there was this one and I felt like I was hearing a story because like it starts over here and then it comes closer to you and then it comes around and then it goes further away and then it comes back and then it goes around. I had to remind myself a couple times I was wearing headphones and I wasn't just in a big room where the sound was like literally traveling around me. And I will link that song in the comments as well, just for people that want to throw some headphones on and see if they have a similar experience. But I feel that that's kind of like the rocket boosters in the brain. Like sometimes you read something and it just hits you and you're like, whoa, that's really deep. I feel like that's a rocket booster. Like you just kind of get hit by it. And then there's like a calm after. I'm guessing it comes with good hormones, and that's what they mean by rocket boosters. It may not feel like a rocket booster. It just affects your brain like a rocket booster. Okay. It's not my word choice. It was a study, okay? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, I'll be interested in reading that because, yeah, see if it makes more sense. 
Yes. So part of why we've been talking about this lately is, sadly, Amanda is getting ready to step back from the podcast. She's not going to step away. She's going to step back. She won't be mm-hmm. won't be doing the majority of our interview episodes anymore, but we'll be showing up to just one-on-one talk about books mm-hmm. with me and all of you. So one on all of us. <laughs> not one on yes. one, but like yeah. the ones where she's just talking to one person in the recording. Um, yeah. So she'll be showing up for those. Do you want to tell us a little bit about your season of life, Amanda? Yeah. We're just um, having some family challenges and then um, needing to care for multiple family members a little bit more, hands on. And then my health challenges have. Uh, gotten a lot worse over the last year and they're not improving so I need to take some time and rest more and actually rest and that's a really hard thing to do in our modern times just I'm we're we're all used to go go going and I've just been go go going and my body is going stop stop (laughs) stop um, I was so glad that Val introduced that wintering book to us mm-hmm. because I read it after she praised it so highly. And then, you know, going into the season, I was like, oh, this is why I read this. And this is, I needed to hear this mm-hmm. and to give myself permission yes. to rest yes. because my body is telling me it's not going to tolerate it if I don't. Right. And I need to listen. Yeah. So yeah. The the day that you broached this topic with me, you had said that Facebook memories had reminded you that a year earlier was when you guys had had your camping trip in Colorado and you'd gone on a 10 mile hike. And that that afternoon you'd had to walk yeah. down to see the sheep and you barely could do it. And you were like, that's the change of the past year. Yeah, my past year. Yeah, I went, oh, I felt so amazing last year. And, you know, hiking with the family was amazing. I'm glad we did it when I could physically do it. Yes. Because this year, my husband's had multiple surgeries. And my health is kind of tanked. And and um, we also went to Disney World with my mom while she still can't, could because she can't, she can't travel anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, so like, we just hit all these all these events while we could and I'm so grateful we did but now mm-hmm. we're now we're in a season where we can't yeah and it's a little it's a little sad to like compare and see yourself slide backwards but hopefully hopefully we can move forward yeah hopefully it's not just a slide hopefully it's a pendulum right you've swung yes, to that side hopefully. and lord willing you're going to swing back and I surely hope like so. Like Clara Barton. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you'll just yes. Have your charge. Yes, I'm going to the seaside <laughs> in January. <laughs> the first time my in-laws have been taking us with them to Mexico in the winter. And the first time was I, every time. This will be the third time. Every time has been amazing. But the first time. It was it was a little bit gross. I had so much detox sweat. I was really glad they changed our sheets every night because <laughs> it was so gross, so gross. But that detox you know, is awesome. It's, it's true. Yeah, it's true that sea air is really really good for you. Yes, yes, so. it definitely is. <laughs> Speaking of detox, 
I told Eric I was so glad that we were I was so glad we were had decided to record today instead of tomorrow because I just got a new supplement in the mail and I was talking with him while I took it and my brain was thinking it was the supplement I've already been taking. And so I took almost a full dose of it instead of taking <gasps> uh, yeah. So my brain may not be able to do anything coherent for like a week. Hopefully not. It's a brain supplement. <laughs> So maybe it will be a rocket booster. Yes, your brain. <laughs> right. maybe it will, and it'll leave all the ash and destruction behind. <laughs> a not good rocket booster. But when we were at that conference with Nancy Kelly, I was telling you how when we so as a group we all did picture study, and so Nancy mm-hmm. hands out a painting, and everyone spends I think like three minutes looking at it. And then we turn it over and we go into groups and discuss it, not looking at it. And this is the third year that we've gone to this conference. And every year when we do it, I look at the picture, I study the picture. And then when I'm in my small group, if I close my eyes, I can see the picture. This is just how my brain works. I can see the picture, the whole thing. I can scan around for whatever questions people have. And this year, I flipped the picture over and went to my little small group that Val was in and I could see the size of the image in my head. And then when Val would say, oh, there was a donkey, like it was like a a spotlight went across the black and stopped at the donkey. And then I could see the donkey scene portion of the scene and, but I couldn't see anything else. And then then I would say, oh, and I really liked the monk's robe because it was St. Francis of Assisi. And so like, then my thing would scan over and shine a light on the robe. And I could see just the part of the robe I was talking about, but I could no longer see the donkey. And I think this was the most real. Like, Neurotypical you've ever felt. <laughs> <laughs> no. I felt like this was the most real I could put my finger on the changes in my brain since the fire. So since the fire, and so I'm going to keep talking about this. So Nancy, one of her sessions was on habits, right? It's Charlotte Mason conference. Mm -hmm. She's talking about habits and she talked about a conference. I believe that Charlotte Mason's people had put on back then. And one of the, talks had mentioned a young girl who was just overwhelmed by life basically and the doctor's prescription was six months of no school and bread and milk just to rest and it was because her parents weren't making decisions that that they could be making for her and just leaving it up to her and she was decision fatigued and nancy had these statistics on what percent was it amanda of how many of our decisions, like 95% of our decisions, I think is what the study said. And then she said, Charlotte Mason said it was 98. So she was pretty darn close for Mm -hmm. her observation. So 95% of decisions are made on autopilot from habit in our lives. Think about that, you guys. 95% of what you do is your habits. That just, I, I cannot even. And so... Well, and you know what struck me after that hmm. is that 
when you have these events in your life that happen that throw everything off, mm-hmm. you're going from suddenly having 95% of your life decided by these habits without having to think about yes. it. So like you're thinking about everything yes. and it's very sudden. And it's- Yes. It's devastating to the brain. So what I'd shared then was when we had the fire, we had to claim all of the items because we didn't have a total loss. Like if the whole house had burnt down, they would have just written us, like if the house had burnt down and turned everything to ash, they would have written us a check for all of our, for the value of all of the items that we had lost in the house. But because Mm -hmm. it didn't turn everything to ash and we lost a lot of stuff to smoke and water, they make you itemize all of the things that you have. And you have to Mm -hmm. say, which room it was in. You have to say how old the item was. You have to say what the value to replace the item is, which means then I have to go online, put it into Google, look around at all the different places that item is available, find the price that makes sense and put that price in. And then I have to remember to add shipping. So I have to look and see what the shipping was. And is this the place that has the best deal? And I had to do that over 3000 times. So so I was doing 12-hour days of constant decision-making for a month, Mm -hmm. and it burnt my brain out. And praise the Lord, this season was while we were living with Eric's parents because we couldn't find a rental house, because otherwise our children would have been completely feral, because (laughs) I could not do anything except, like, Eric was working full-time, I was doing 12-hour days on this. And me, mom, and Bapa were running a day camp for the kids, and everyone was loving it. Praise the Lord. And so when that ended, we got the rental house, and we moved back to Cedar Rapids. And Eric, bless his heart, bought me Animal Crossing. And he was like, you know what? When you had Inara, our firstborn, and you had all that trauma after the birth, and then she was only sleeping 45 minutes a day, and you could barely function, you played Animal Crossing. And that was like all you could do, but it gave you something to do. And I was like, you know, I don't like playing video games. I don't like video games. I don't like I don't like how much our kids like them. I don't want this to be a thing. And he's like, trust me. So I trusted him. And I sat on the couch for two months and I played Animal Crossing with my kids. And we had a great time. We got to build an island. We got to build a museum, fill the museum with stuff. This is what actually sparked my boy's interest in classical art was the fact that there's this identifying game on it where you have to say, is this piece of classical art real or fake? So you have to know what the real thing looks like to identify the fake Mm -hmm. thing. So we were studying classical art through all of this. And now they know some of the greats and a lot of the masters. And they can identify all these pieces that are in modern situations and movies and TV shows and pictures in their kids' books. So it it ended up not being a complete waste of my life, which is what I thought it was going to be going into. But it gave my brain time to rest. And not mm-hmm. have to make decisions about anything. Because my kids were like, go fish over here. Go climb that tree. And it's like, great. I'll just do what you say. Like, I don't have to think about this. And so I felt like I was recovering and was back. To, like, after that two months, I felt like I was kind of back. And that things were decent. And then this summer, 
I had to submit all the receipts for everything that we had purchased because not only mm-hmm. they don't just like they only give you a part of the amount of the value of the items when you claim it as having lost it in the fire. They only give you the full value if you replace it. So I had to go through, remember what I had even called these things the first time through, because can I tell you how many white shirts we had? But some of them I put in because I didn't understand the system. So some of them we were too specific. It's like white vest or white camo, you know, or like cami or whatever. It's like mm-hmm. It all could have been white shirt. Like they don't care. So I had to remember what it was called, find the receipt take a picture of the receipt, put the receipt, find the file. Is this the right file? Yes. Put the receipt. It was again, like by day two, I told Eric, I was like, I don't think I can do this. I'm going like my brain is breaking all over again. I can feel it breaking. And he didn't really understand what I was saying. And obviously it had to get done because paying our credit cards off was depending on it so like there wasn't really a choice because we bought the stuff and we needed the money to reimburse ourselves for it um so i did another two months of that just a few hours every day but it broke my brain and now Mm -hmm. is when like i can't see those pictures and i think i told you last night that i need to tell matt your husband, because you Matt's always said that he likes to read aloud because he only reads one word at a time when he's reading aloud, which is the speed that he reads as a dyslexic anyway. Mm-hmm. That's where I'm at right now. I can only read two words ahead of where I am. Usually I read two lines at a time. Like at my peak, I was reading over 900 words a minute with 98% comprehension. This is my soup was my superpower. And now now I am a peasant. And now you're I am a peasant with the commoners. <laughs> no. no, but I was telling Eric, I was like, now reading is boring. And boring. Reading can't be boring. Unless it's exciting. Like if it doesn't suck me right in, I'm going three words at a time. It's tedious and boring. And Inara says from across the room, well, now you know how Gemma feels with her dyslexia. And I was like, yeah, I do. And then I told Eric and I was like, and not only is it boring, it's exhausting. It takes so much more effort. And Inara's like, and now you know how I feel mm-hmm. with my dyslexia. And I was like, I do. Mm-hmm. So on that side, like it's a gift right? This thing that is a trial and a burden for me is also a gift because now I can understand where my daughters are coming from. And be like, I wouldn't say I was judgmental anyway, but like now I have like an even new level of not judging them when they're slow or like Gemma when she's slow and not judging Inara when she's like, I'm done. Like I'm not doing anything else today realizing like she's not being rebellious or stubborn. She really has just maxed out her level of mental exertion in trying to read this thing. Yeah. Sometimes I wonder if our challenges are just so we can commiserate and not be prideful in our own things that are easy for us. Yes. I'm apt to be prideful about things that are easy for me, not realizing that I just have it easy. Right. It's not anything special about me. It's just, I have that particular thing easy. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) So. Yeah. Welcome to the rest, the real world with the rest (sighs) of us. You can only see a little bit of the picture at a time. It's rough down (laughs) here, guys. (laughs) It is. 
like the technicolor mm-hmm. went away and I feel like the world's just kind of gray and I, although I have, it's hard. See, I have to say, I, I notice when we do the picture study every year, I get a little bit better. So maybe you'll Aww. get, you'll get better. Little by little. So back to that supplement that I probably poisoned myself with today. It's desiccated brain. So I got desiccated bovine brain because I was like, man, all those desiccated organs that I take for everything else have helped so much. Mm -hmm. So I probably just need to take some brain for my brain. But I did the smart thing two days ago where I read through all the Amazon reviews and everyone was like, don't start high, start at one at the most. And I was like, yeah, that's what I tell everybody with all the other desiccated organs. So that's what I'll do. And then I went to take it and I thought it was placenta and like popped a whole handful in. And then I looked at Eric and I was like, no, 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 no. I don't think I can do anything probably for the next four days. (laughs) I think it'll be okay. I feel like once you start taking the desiccated organs like yeah. the next one you take you have a little bit more tolerance yeah for so it, i'm though. i'm really hoping for more tolerance i'm hoping maybe the sun breaks through the clouds and now all of a sudden my brain will just be like hallelujah and everything will be mm. wonderful yeah so let's talk about some of the suggestions that the community contributed to what they do for self-care i'm just going to read through a few of them here there's some pretty you know what i you know what i do sometimes? what do you do I go to Costco by myself. <laughs> Isn't that heaven? <laughs> it is heaven. I just did that the other day. I mean, oh, shoot. I have to run to Costco. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to go by myself. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so happy for you. Do you know what else I like to do? I like to let Eric go by himself when we're together. And then I get 30 minutes in the car with the seat warmer all by myself, <laughs> not having to talk to anybody. No kids, nothing. It's great. Uh, that might be better. Yeah. <laughs> no fluorescent <laughs> lights, nothing. It's wonderful. Mm-hmm. So some of the suggestions other people made were they buy themselves nice pajamas. And that is a great way to end the day is nice pajamas. Somebody else along those lines said clean sheets for her own bed. Because often she feels that taking care of her bed is the last priority in sheet changing so that's really nice getting out in nature reminding oh that's so me reminding themselves how big god is and his power when their hardships feel overwhelming the immense joy that they feel when when their children are in awe at the wonder of creation fills the cup and resets their moods cora has started i'll tell cora we're going on a walk and she's like because you really need it (laughs) Yes, because I really need it. Uh-huh. That's why. Yeah. In our house, we call them stupid little walks for mommy's stupid mental health. Because that's what I call it. My kids don't call it my stupid mental health. I do. And there's a meme that I saw once that had uh, an American bald eagle walking across a field. And I don't know if you've ever seen them walk, but they look like Jane Austen men in their little like pants with pockets. But they just like stalk like stalk across the ground and they look furious probably because they're not flying right so they're down here like us commoners so that's that was the meme that i saw that was like a stupid like the eagles thinking a stupid little walk for my stupid mental health so so my kids will say is it time for your stupid little walk it's like yes yes it is and there was people who cancel Cancel school for the day and just sit in front of the fire and do read alouds. 
And then one of our members is going through a very traumatic uh, medical kidnapping of her daughter right now and is waiting for the court date. And she said that what she has been doing every day is shaking her body out like an animal after a chase, starting at the head and then one section at a time going down to the toes, shaking it out as close to a shiver as possible. And that is really sound advice. And in the body keeps the score and different, different books that I've read on like PTSD and things of that nature talk about the measures like as Oh, how do I want to say this? So not every bad event is trauma for everyone, right? It could happen. You could get hit by a bus and you walk away and you're not traumatized by it. I could get hit by a bus and it is traumatic and it takes years for me to recover mentally and emotionally, right? And so in mm-hmm. one of these books that I read that I'll add to the show notes, because in my head, I just call it the book with the tiger on the cover because (laughs) I can't remember the name of it, but that book, which I'll add the picture with the tiger on the cover so that you guys know which book I'm talking about right now. In that book, the author who studies all of this stuff out, he was hit by a car and he was saying that X, Y, and Z happened after while waiting for the ambulance. And then when he got on the ambulance, he had them, they took his blood pressure and he asked what it was and it was a certain range. And he's like, great. I'm not going to be traumatized by this because he'd had all the things happen. Like he had, he'd shivered, like he'd had the shaking and that's your body like processing out the trauma. And Mm -hmm. for years, there were a few specific events where whenever I talked about them, I would laugh and shake the whole time. Like I couldn't, like that was just my whole nervous system just couldn't even Mm -hmm. talk about it. And I was like, I always told people for a decade, I laugh when I'm nervous but it's, it was trauma. It was trauma coming out in these situations that were triggering the trauma, right? Like the the nervous feeling mm-hmm. was actually a triggered feeling that I was having. And through the EMDR therapy that I've done in the last couple of years, I don't shiver over those events anymore. And I don't laugh over those events mm-hmm. anymore. And then two weeks ago, I was having a conversation and I started laughing and shivering. And I was like, oh, I need to take this one into therapy (laughs) and have a conversation (laughs) about it. Because apparently, even though it doesn't feel like it should be something I'm having this reaction to, there must be some root thing. Mm -hmm. So so that is one of the things that therapists will recommend is shaking and shivering. Like if you feel your body shivering, don't stop it. Like let it Hmm. let it go because it's very healing to to all your systems. I wonder if that's like, you know, when they say you're like racked with sobs, you know, shaking like while they're Yeah, I wonder if that shaking is also a good shaking. It could be. Mm -hmm. A lot of people said drinking something hot. I think this is like one of the reasons people drink coffee all day and I drink hot chocolate all day. It's just, it's really soothing to have something warm. Um, Yeah. Listening to good music uh, somebody has a coffee pot with a timer, which encourages her to get out of bed in the morning because the coffee's ready <laughs> when she gets there. Yeah. Reminds me of the office and the bacon. Yes. <laughs> Michael makes bacon on the George Foreman at the foot of the bed. Oh, yep. my goodness. But, yes, yeah, so many people went out in nature and and did art. Those were the, the, the two that seemed to be. 
both of those are so healing. Yes, they are. And then one of the commenters, she was like, girl, I've got a word for you, but let's talk. And so (laughs) I'm always game to talk to our members. Like, I love our community so much. I have yet to have somebody reach out and be Mm -hmm. like, could I talk to you? Then I'm like, no. I'm like, yes, let's talk. (laughs) So uh, we had a phone conversation last night that I swear was divinely assigned because and that's part of why I always say yes when people want to talk to me is because it is so mutually beneficial like I'm able Mm -hmm. to typically it's people that want help with something and so I'm able to help with whatever they need but I never feel like I walk away without having received something Mm -hmm. emotionally in the exchange as well even if it's just like an encouraging word but I talked with Laura last night and Um, we talked for an hour. I sobbed through almost the whole conversation because she just talked about all these hard situations. I I knew all of her hard situations that have been going on with her family's health. Her kids got POTS and tick-borne illnesses and seizures and um, Mm. uh, pandas, just like the whole gambit. The gamut, yeah. Yeah, All at once. And it's been a couple years and mold sickness from their house on top of it and having to just walk away from everything like my aunt and uncle did. And they moved States away. And so just, she was talking about how she felt, and this is similar to you. She felt God had prepared her heart for this. Right. So just like that wintering Mm -hmm. book prepared your heart for it. She had read um, sacred romance by John Eldridge. And she felt that that prepared her heart for the great adventure that God had planned for her, even though sometimes she's like, oh, God, this does not feel like the great adventure that I was wanting. (laughs) No. You have great things planned for me, but this doesn't feel like it. But it like when she said that, um, it reminded me of sitting in the basement with the kids during the derecho, thinking that a tree had just fallen through our house because that's what it sounded like. It had just fallen through our front porch. And turning to the kids and saying, you know what? Today is the first day of a great adventure. And it's all about how you frame it <laughs> in so many yeah. things. Oh, you yeah. know? Everything in life is. Mm-hmm. But she just had so many encouraging words for me. And she was talking about that third level of self-care that we were talking about where mm-hmm. she was like, just let people know. And so I want you guys to listen. If you are just getting through your day please do like get through your day to tomorrow because it can feel so hard and it can feel so heavy and so like you just want to sleep and so like you just want a rest and Mm -hmm. stopping your life may feel like the only way to get that but that's not true that is a lie (laughs) and you are worth waking up tomorrow not for your husband, mm-hmm. not for your kids, not for your duty, which is great. And if knowing you have duty is what keeps you waking up tomorrow, then embrace that. But you are worth it. You are worth mm-hmm. feeding yourself. You are worth bathing yourself. You are worth all the things you have to do to not just slowly die. And I, um, I read something a couple days ago. 
about a woman who was struggling with an eating disorder. And she said that she realized it was just her body passively not wanting to live anymore and thinking that this was a good way mm-hmm. to handle the situation. And, um, and then something else that Laura shared is she said one day she was really, she was trying to have a conversation with another adult and her kids were just being kids in the other room and all around her. And, they weren't settling and they weren't giving her the space to have her thoughts. And she just finally just blurted out the Charlotte Mason concept. And she's like, listen, I am a born person too. And that's so true. And she said that she felt that that was like a turning point for her Mm -hmm. realizing that she is a born person too. She has needs that are worth being met. And um, she had some, some very specific words to me and some struggles that I have been having that I just really appreciated her sharing. And I just, Mm -hmm. I want you guys to know that there is no shame in taking things off of your plate and they may feel like dumb things. And you may feel like, what am I even contributing if I cannot do this basic thing in life? It is worth taking those things off your plate and finding rest in that area for yourself so that you can continue waking up every day. I have taken something that I feel a lot of people would think is dumb (laughs) off of my plate and it has (laughs) changed my year. And Amanda knows about this because I rave about Mm -hmm. it all the time. I don't wash my own hair anymore. I stopped because I have ADHD and autism and all this trauma and all this brain issues and my executive function is broken you guys like if it's a big picture thing that you need done i'm your girl if you need brains for like vision casting or dreaming or giving great ideas for stuff i can do that all day long if you need somebody who can figure out how to cook a meal i can't do that anymore if you need somebody who can figure out what they even want to eat also cannot do that If it is not something that is one of my habits, it's not happening. And unfortunately, feeding myself has never been one of my habits. So that's something that's a real struggle for me. But I found I was avoiding showering because I have waist length hair and I am taller than our shower head and I have inflammation. And so I did not like having to contort to fit under the shower head for as long as I had to to wash my hair. And so I was doing everything to avoid showers because really I was avoiding washing my hair. And then I was getting a haircut a hair trim. I was getting a hair trim and I turned to my hairdresser and I was just like, you know what? How much would you charge me to wash my hair once a week? And she was like, $5. I was like, sold. So now the lady, and I think she was willing to do it at that price, one, because she knew me and two, because we bring her seven customers on a regular basis, you know? But now it's something that she just fits into her day. Like, I'll text her and I'll say, today's the day. And she's like, all right, I have 30 minutes at this point. Come on in. And so it's mutually beneficial in that way. Um, But I go to the hair salon once a week and I get my hair washed. And it is the most relaxing, recharging, single thing that I do for myself during the week. It's always amazing to have your hair washed by someone else. Yes. Scalp massage. Yes. But then, because Mm -hmm. I don't have to ever think about my hair, 
I can shower as many times as I want. Like I could shower every day at this point. <laughs> I am not an everyday shower. It's not good for the biome of your skin. But like if I wanted to, I no longer have that mental block saying this is going to be a 40 minute event. Now it's a five to 10 minute, like it's as long as I want it to be instead of mm-hmm. like at minimum, this is how long I have to carve out of my day for this thing. So I have no shame. And now I understand why all those old ladies at the hair salon I used to work at would come in and get their hair washed and set once a week. And then they wouldn't do their hair again. And then they'd come back and get it washed and set. Like it is freeing mentally as a woman to Mm -hmm. not have to worry about your hair. So now I get it washed. I wear it down for three days. I wear it up for three days and I'm back in the salon. And so it's It's been a game changer for me. So don't feel embarrassed if it's something simple. Like it seems like it should be something simple that you should be able to do. And you're just like, you know what? I think my life would be better if I didn't have to. That's totally fine. Make your Mm -hmm. life better. Don't have to if you don't have to. (laughs) So, So, yeah, I just feel like that one thing has given me so many spoons back. If you know spoon because you're not trying to not trying to work yourself up yeah. to it. Mm-hmm. I no longer have to mm-hmm. be brave. Like it felt like it was taking mental bravery. Mm-hmm. Step over the hurdle of literally stepping over the side of the bathtub into the shower. Like once I was there, I was fine, but it was just this mental block, and now it's not there anymore, and it's great. I think you need one of the shower heads that's installed in the ceiling. Uh, yeah, I definitely think that when we I think remodel that would this bathroom. More than paying for someone to <laughs> yeah. wash your hair. And, and she rubs my head and like it takes no energy on my part. And I, mm-hmm. I don't have the like, yeah, it just, it removed so many decision making mm-hmm. things. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Yeah. But we are going to be doing some book clubs on Facebook, a book club on Facebook this uh, coming year. So probably starting in January on habit training. And so we're going to do Atomic Habits. We're going to do the other half of the church and a third book. Can you remember what the third book is, Amanda? It's escaping my memory. But really, it's That's going way too to much be, to ask in my brain. <laughs> it's going to be a bring Bring your own book group. Um, okay. Oh, the third book is Drive by Daniel Pink. So Atomic Habits by James Clare, oh, Drive by Daniel Pink, The Other Half of the Church by Jim Wilder and Michael Hendricks, which is Christian Community, Brain Science, and Overcoming Spiritual Stagnation. And that one, they have a podcast called The Other Half of the Church where they read a chapter aloud and then talk about it even more. So mm-hmm. if you want to listen along for free, you can listen to that on the podcast, but it's going to be, um, obviously we'll probably also do Charlotte Mason's book habits. So we will just have a group on Facebook where people can just come and share where they're at in those books, what things have been challenging to them, what things have challenged them and just bounce some things off of each other and have some encouragement as we are working on building a stable 95% of mm-hmm. habit in our lives and in the lives of the little people that affect so much of our lives. 
Mm-hmm. Oh. Yes, I came home from that conference and was like, we're going to work on some habits. And my six-year-old was super excited about <laughs> it and started telling us all the habits we need to work on. Everyone else. Oh, yes. <laughs> it's so much easier to work on somebody <laughs> else's habit. <laughs> yep. Did the habits she wanted that you to work it. on affect her at all? Like, I want you to make me more cakes, like that type of thing? No, no. It was, you know, I can't even remember. I wasn't, yeah. <laughs> I wasn't listening. I was like, uh, I don't think you understand the way this is going to go. <laughs> there were like ridiculous things. Like you need to work on the habit of not leaving your coffee cup on the coffee table. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. But uh, let's work on some more important things first. Oh, man. That's funny. Kids are great. So, <laughs> oh, yeah. All right. Well, we just really want to thank you all for being with us this year. I think that as much as wintering helped Amanda in preparing for a season of wintering, just all these conversations that we've had with all these authors and illustrators and publishers, mm-hmm. I feel like they all met me in a different way. And I really hope that they met all of you as well and touched you. And I was thinking, earlier again about the conversation that we had with Mary about hope punk and just the fact that it's community pushing back against the darkness together. And I feel that Mm -hmm. our community does that. I feel like we are a band of, of wanderers through life that love our libraries and love a good story and sharing encouraging words with one another from those and i wanted to let you know that we did get our hope punk sweatshirts made so they look like this hope punk the stories are truer than true and they're available on Redbubble if you were interested in getting one of those but my my girls have been wearing them and every time i see them in one it just makes me smile because that's what i want for them i want them to grow up to be community builders who fight for for hope and shining the light of hope as a beacon in dark trying times. So Amanda and I's prayer for all of you is that you have a restful holiday season and that you are able to take care of yourselves. Even if it's just one day at a time, one moment at a time, we love having you as part of our community and we want you to stay in it. And if it's just life is a little uncomfortable right now and I just need to be able to take a few breaths, then we hope that you are able to find some ways to do that as well. And we'd love for you to add in the comments what you do for self-care in in your life in any of those three different levels of seasons that we were talking about. Did you have any final thoughts, Amanda? No, just keep on keeping on. Yeah, read a good book. So we look forward to seeing all of you next year with a reduced schedule, but a consistent one nonetheless. So we will, um, I don't think I told you this. So we'll be planning on doing two episodes a month, well, every other week. So we'll be doing every other week episodes next year. And Amanda will be here in probably less than half of those. Um, So we'll be having more guest co-hosts that will be familiar faces from this year. And we are really looking forward to that. So we have some some fun conversations on the books for next year scheduled. And we look forward to seeing you again then. Have a 
merry holiday season. And remember that stories are truer than true.